Welcome to a message by Highway Christian Community. Highway Christian Community is a church in Pinetown pastored by Steve and Janet Wheeler, whose vision is to make disciples. You can visit their website at www.highway.org.za. We hope that today's message enlightens the eyes of your heart to know the goodness of God and awakens you to live your God-given purpose. Enjoy. I've been encouraging the church over the last few weeks to bring your Bible to church. This one. You know the this one? And I forgot last week. So I've got the Holy Spirit to remind me about things. I've got my wife to remind me, and I've got Richard. So Richard reminded me. There's, you know, we've we got so much going on on our phones. Let's be honest. You pick it up to do one thing, and 10 things later, you still haven't got to the thing you... And it's just this kind of quagmire of distraction. But there's something about the Babel, the Babel, that is... <sighs> a little dusty? No, I hope not. So I'll just continue to encourage you. Bring your Bible to church. I mean, you don't take it anywhere else with you during the week. Well, I know some of you, but... You know, as mortal human beings. All right. And on that encouraging note, we're going to read from it. So, if you've got your Bible, that we're going to read. And I want to ask, and I want to thank those who give financially every month to partner and to uh, sow into the ministry of this church, which has come through one of the most crazy times in human history apart from the, the big wars. And yet, people have faithfully lived sacrificially in their giving. So, just as you come up to do that, if we can prepare to, to give a morning offering. You say, why do you do this, Steve, when people give through EFT and there's other ways? You know why we do this? Because we're still modeling something. We're modeling it's a cheerful thing to do. Not a tearful thing. Not a sad thing. It's a happy thing. Thank you, Richard. Can I be happy? Am I also allowed to be happy? Shit, it's hard to give in this church. You know, you've got to call the guys. Come here. I want to, I want to be part of uh, giving in the church. You know, I might have forgotten my Bible. You forgot to take our offering, brother. We, it's 15 all, eh? I love that guy. And um, so, yes. I mean, bless you and thank you for your partnership. And to those online that join us for the message, but we know that uh, you are partnering with us. Thank you. Okay, so I want to speak this morning on the topic of a renewed mind can see the kingdom. A renewed mind can see the kingdom of God. We've been doing a series for some weeks now, months, because it's a topic that really is a now topic. Because Jesus' first message was about the kingdom. His last message was about the kingdom. And everything in between was about the kingdom. So I would say it's a pretty big deal. Are you going to really make me work that hard today? Not like amen or ouch or say it again. It was a big deal for Jesus. It should be a big deal for us. In fact, he said, when you pray, this is what you should pray. 
your kingdom come. And we have been looking at some of those keys of the kingdom over the last few months. Nicodemus came to Jesus and said, how do I enter into this kingdom? And Jesus said, you have to be born again. So we know that's the door in. That good news doesn't end at being born again. Hello? Because that's the door into the kingdom. But you, Jesus says you won't even be able to see the kingdom if you're not born again. So there's a seeing that is a progressive unfolding and revelation of what God wants to do on earth. And as we apply those keys, we see his kingdom revealed. John 20, 24. Thomas, known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I still see the nail marks in his hands and put my fingers where the nails were and put my hands in his side, I will not believe. So just from that little discourse, we see that Thomas had a mindset. And he was basically saying, don't tell me, I know what I believe. Don't confuse me with the truth. You know anybody like that? It's like, I know what I know, what I know, but I can't say. No, I know what I know, so don't confuse me with the truth. And it says a week later, I just want to stop there, a week later. So for a week, Thomas is living in a paradigm, in a worldview that Jesus has come, died, and he's buried, and it's all over. But a week later, the disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. I think there's a reason he said that. I mean, you can imagine. <laughs> You've seen him die. You saw him buried. I guess it's a good opening statement. Peace be to you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand. Put it in my side. Stop doubting and believe. And Thomas says to him, My Lord and my God. Just that far for now. So, so we see from this, from this passage, from this discourse, that we can make up our minds about something. And we can choose to believe something because that's our frame of reference. He was being logical. He was being uh, cynical, some might say. But in his mind, he was being realistic. He saw Jesus die. Come on, give him a break. I mean, for all this, oh, you're a doubting Thomas. It's become part of the English language now. I mean, the poor guy, he, he went through a traumatic experience. And he says, now, guys, sorry, sorry, don't I don't know what trick you're pulling or what ghost you saw or whatever it was. Uh, 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 not, no, no, don't, don't confuse me with the truth now. I know what I believe. And I stopped there. And I realized in my own life, there are so many things that I have a fixed framework. As do we all. We have a framework that's been formed by our upbringing, our social, political environment we grew up in. It's a framework that's come about through important people in our lives, how they treated us, what they said about us. It's a complicated subject and best left to the sociologists and those clever people. But enough for us to know we all have a view of life that we think is the truth. 
or real or reality. And for Thomas, that was his reality. But every single one of us have those frames, those, some call them worldviews. And I want to say three, well, four things now. Now, I added another one this morning. Yes, Steve. Is we can believe something to be true that is true. Okay? So you believe you're married to Heather. Okay, it's true. Okay? And uh, so there's some things you believe that are true that, that are true. Um, you, you believe if you're a man, you, you know you're a man, you, what you're believing is true. If you're a woman, you know, oh, you're a bad example, eh? Okay, but you, you get the point. Okay, so we, some things we believe are true that are true. Some things we believe to be true that are not true. There's many examples of that. The, 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 I, I was watching a Discovery program. I know you think I'm getting all my examples from Discovery and Geographic. I, it used to be Reader's Digest. Now it's uh, Yes TV. It, it's, it's such an intriguing story about Albert Einstein. I mean, I just love the guy. He was just so intense about what he believed in, but he couldn't remember his birth date. You know, he had to go and scratch through papers to find out what, what his birthday was. But what he was good at, he was so brilliant. And through his uh, theories on relativity and the travel of light speed and all, all these amazing things, he came to an inevitable conclusion, which was that everything had to have begun at a certain point, before which there was nothing. And that everything would then contract to the same position. But do you know, until his virtual last breath, he refused to acknowledge it. Because his worldview, what he'd grown up with, was that never been a beginning and there'll never be an end. Everything is just forever. And it didn't fit his mind, his worldview. Although he saw it in his theories and his equations and his all that fancy scribbling that they do, you know, And his, his, his successors saw that he'd actually discovered that truth. And on his last days, he acknowledged that was one of his biggest regrets. That he'd never acknowledged what he knew was true. Because he said that would have helped him break a ceiling into new discovery. And in an understanding of the universe, which came later. And now the Stephen Hawkins of the world have built on those theories. But I'm giving you this big illustration now, not to get your mind off all the science, but to say that sometimes we believe something to be true, but it's not true. And we choose to believe something even if we suspect it's not true. <laughs> I say vice versa because another way of putting it is we just turn a blind eye. Hello? Have you, have you heard that in families where there are known to be abuses and parents have turned a blind eye? What has happened there? They've chosen to believe something even though they suspect it's not true or vice versa. 
So we're talking about what we believe that's true, what we believe that's not true, and what we believe but we suspect is not. And then for obviously there are things that we just don't know. <laughs> As I was thinking about Thomas' situation, yeah, is someone who walked with Jesus. He had a picture of the world in the same way you and I have a picture of the world. And he chose to believe something different, but his perspective was wrong. And here's my point. Can you accept that sometimes your perspective could be wrong? Can you accept that sometimes what you think is true is not true? Because if you can't, sorry, there's no hope for further learning or renewing of your mind. Because the renewing of the mind process necessitates, it's predicated on an ability to be teachable and to be humble in what I think I know. Does that come across? I go to the pick and pay. So I'm doing some shopping. Hey, Alison, I, I love shopping. I love cooking as well. You wouldn't say so. Janet's coming back to a smorgasbord. I've discovered why she loves being in the kitchen. It's a lot of fun. I always thought like, shit, Janet's not your fast food. Janet's not your Uber Eats. Now I'm like, hey, man, it's like a whole new world out there. So I'm at the pick and pay shopping. I need to find some something. And I never know where things are in the shops. You know, us first-time shoppers? Anyone out there? So I see one of the ladies with the right uniform on. I say, excuse me, I'm looking for the, the apricot jam. Where do I go? And she says something like, and she carries on doing it. I say, sorry, excuse me, I'm looking for the apricot jam. She like looks at me and she goes, and she carries on working. By this stage, I'm ready to fire her. And I'm not even her boss. And I say, Excuse me, ma'am. What I find is offensive, and my mind's already telling me things about her, you know. And she says, she goes on, she, she answers her phone. And I'm like, what? She comes off the phone and she says, I do apologize. I'm arranging my mother's funeral for tomorrow, and everything has been left to me to organize. So what? Is it that you wanted from me? Can you see how my perspective just changed? Can you see how my presuppositions just got abandoned? Can you see what I thought was true was just challenged? I want to say to you, some of you believe things based on a perception, based on your worldview that might be true, but might not be true. And sometimes, even though you know it's true, at a subconscious level, you can't bear to believe it's true, so you suppress it. Thomas had 11 men around him saying, we saw Jesus. And still, he stubbornly refused. It's the same when the blind man came to Jesus and the disciples said, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he's born blind? Can you see their presupposition? Somebody have had to done something bad for this man to be in this condition. 
What does Jesus say? Neither this man nor his parents sinned. This is so that God can be glorified. <laughs> I mean, talk about a comeback answer that's totally out of your worldview paradigm, totally out of the expected. Jesus has a way of doing this. When the disciples saw seven loaves and five fish, whatever it was, they made an assumption. You make an assumption every day about things. Because we have to have some kind of what's right and what's wrong, what we believe, what we don't believe, what's fake. Did I say fake? What's fake and what's real. And there's such a, a, a big gray area there. The best thing we can teach our children is not to believe 99% of what they see on multimedia. It's the best thing we can teach them. I didn't get a roaring amen, so I think I need to say something to you today. Don't believe everything you hear on the news. Don't believe everything you get on your Facebook post. Don't believe every conspiracy you hear that gets circulated on WhatsApp. Let me tell you, it is an industry out there vying for the minds and emotion, uh, uh, intellectual property of people right now. Stop it. Stop believing everything you hear and read and then passing it on to 50 of your friends because at the bottom it says if you don't pass this on, you don't love Jesus. Swamped with fake on the left and on the right. Don't for a minute believe everything Donald says, but don't believe everything that the news says. Bottom line. Sorry, I spent way too much time there. Let's get back to the Bible. The disciples expected that Jesus was going to come and overthrow the Romans. You know that that was their worldview? That's part of why Thomas couldn't get over this. This meaningless death of weakness. But here's an example where the disciples had an expectation and Jesus had to say, that's not why I've come. I'm going to the cross. I'm going to be killed. And then I'll rise again. And then I'm going to send my Holy Spirit. They never had a framework to understand that. Jesus bumps into a group walking on the way to Emmaus in Luke around 24, I think. The end of the last chapter of Luke. They're on their way. Jesus comes and walks with them. The resurrected Jesus is, is, is with them. And they, they, he says, why are you looking so down? They say, haven't you heard? And the whole story unfolds. He has to take the scripture and say, didn't this say that the son of man? But they couldn't see it. There was this blindness. Until they took the bread, they took the cup. And there comes a revelation. You see, one manifestation to Thomas changed his mind. One manifestation to these road to maze people, change their mind. Are you willing to have your mind changed about a lot of things? The Holy Spirit is promised to be poured on all flesh. Have you got a grid to believe that includes all flesh? And are you ready to take care of those who come into the kingdom in their tens of thousands and hundreds of thousands? Because God's not finished with you 
And don't think because you've got gray hair, you're going to get away with it. And if you've got no hair, you're definitely not going to get away with it. So what are the things that we believe that might not be true? If someone told you your life's going to amount to nothing, you know, if you believe that, you're in trouble. Even if it's not true. And I'll tell you now, it's not true. Because your, your life is amounting to something. What if someone says to you, the Holy Spirit's gifts passed away after the apostles? If you believe that, it's going to very much form your frame of reference. What if you believe that God put sickness on you because that's one of his ways to teach you? That's going to give you a very skewed view of a very schizophrenic God who's very confused. Leader did an outstanding job last week of just bringing some clarity to understanding the flow of the scripture, progressively the covenants, and our concept of God. What if we believe that God doesn't want to heal everybody? It's just here and there. How will that affect how we view? I remember, you know, I came in, I got saved as a non-Bible believing, non-Bible owning, non-church going Christian into a very staunch Baptist church through the Youth for Christ. And I was taught very clearly that not everybody is chosen to go to heaven. They called it five-point Calvinism. And my first few months, something in me was like, but hang on, this doesn't feel right. This is not like the God that made me fall on my face and sob for 20 minutes when I had an experience of his presence and his love. And, and it just doesn't feel right. And, and I was told, and that there's no more healing signs, wonders, and miracles. So you must know, when I came out of my two-year compulsory military duty and was trying to find my feet and came into a charismatic church, what a culture shock it was for me. And how many paradigms I had to start shifting. You can only imagine. Jesus says, you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. I've, I've laid quite a, what some might think is a, is a pessimistic background here this morning. Because the question could rise, well then what can we believe? If we can't believe anything, then we can't even believe that. I know someone got that. So, so, so what is it? So Jesus appears to him, says, okay, come over here, touch my hands, touch my side. Can, can we go to the rest of that scripture? Let's just turn, because I didn't put it in my notes, John 20. Sure. Richard, thanks for reminding me about my Bible, right? And from verse 27. So put your fingers in my, my, put your fingers here, see my hands, reach out your hands, see my side. Okay, verse 28. Thomas answered, my Lord and my God. <laughs> Took about a, a 180 degree turnaround. All right. Then Jesus says to him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Watch the use of the word believe here. Okay? Because you have seen me, you have believed. 
Blessed are those who have not seen yet have believed. So there are some things we can believe even if we haven't seen them. Verse 30. Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples which are not recorded in this book. Did we see them? Do we believe them? And what is that called? Faith. Jesus is saying, in effect, if you see, you don't need faith. But my kingdom is going to operate by faith, not by seeing. It's going to operate by faith through prayer that's going to agree with heaven so on earth as it is in heaven. There are some things you don't see that you think, no, that's impossible. But we do have an authority, and it's right over here, that we can believe something. That the Holy Spirit, through men of God, to the church, and now for the church. There are things that we can believe. Back to Tom, back to okay, the last verse there. Verse 31. But these are written that you may believe. Say believe. <laughs> that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Woo! Then some of you are going down a path right now and you're finding it hard to believe a whole lot of stuff. You were walking down a path and you saw the sea and it was beautiful. And you carried on walking and a mountain came between you and the sea. And you looked and you don't see the sea anymore. Some people say, I still know the sea is there. But maybe you're at a place where you're saying, I don't even know if the sea is there anymore. I don't know what I believe. Jesus says, blessed are you if you don't see and you believe. And by believing, you will find life. You know, there's a whole lot of things we think we know. There's a whole lot of things we know that are true. But this morning I'm saying, by the renewing of our minds, we get to see the kingdom of God. And by renewing our minds, it can only happen as I position myself in a humility to say, I might not understand it right now. Let me just put a question mark there. But dare not tear it out your Bible. Put a question mark there. Trust me, you'll come back full circle like I have in my life and go, oh, of course. Why didn't I see it? But while you're walking past that mountain, you can still believe because there's going to come a day when you're going to walk past that. And you're going to see it again. Come on. Some of you are facing that mountain of unbelief right now. Some of you are facing that mountain of confusion right now. You are saying this is unpredictable. It's unknowable. It's confusing. Keep walking. Keep walking and talk to that mountain <laughs> if you have to. Because <laughs> there's a few things I know.
beyond the shadow of doubt that I can believe. Nothing. Let me, I think I got this now. Nothing is impossible for God. <laughs> nothing is impossible for God. And God can turn anything around. Come, let's give him another praise. Let's, uh, we believe that. He can really turn it around. And there is always a solution. Man, it might be in your knowledge, and it might be in someone else's knowledge. There is a solution. Come on, be happy about that. And this will come to pass. It's not forever. Even if it's in this life, it's not forever. Even if it's in the season, it's not forever. And it shall come to pass. And then we are always qualified to run to God and not away from God. Never have to feel like God is unapproachable. God is offended. God is unhappy with me. God is like kind of myth. You are always qualified through the blood of Jesus to come to the Father of your soul. And finally, if we remain teachable in every situation, every situation can teach us new things and new ways of doing things. And then finally, in all things, we can give thanks. In all things, we can. I know that to be true. There's a lot of things I think are true that might not be true, but I know that's true. I can give thanks in all situations because the Word of God says that's God's will, that you give thanks. Because when you give thanks, you are lifting God above the problem and not the problem above God. In all things, you can give thanks because God said, I am a rewarder of those who diligently seek me. And if you're seeking him and you choose to keep believing that sea that is unseeable is still there, you are blessed. Because blessed are those who haven't seen. You can give thanks for what you haven't seen. I tell you what, I said it earlier, you ain't seen nothing yet. Well, God says the glory of the latter house is going to supersede the glory of the former house. Let's believe that. Let's believe that in the last days he'll pour out his spirit on offer. Let's believe that the greatest harvest of all time will come in the last days. Let's Choose to believe the things that are true and stop believing the lies that aren't true. Come on, that is the truth. I'm going to finish now for the eighth time. Can a worship team please help me? We're going to have communion. And how we're going to do that is because the group, some new faces, lovely to see you at church. Well done. But there are tables set around the church. And I want to ask you to go over. There's two cups, one with wine, one with bread. Take it and then step back from the table, but don't participate yet. Stand in a circle around the table, even though some of the circles will be a little bit bigger. That's okay. Can we do that right now? Can we get up? Let's stand up. Let's move over to a table. Take the, the cup and then step back. And if someone can serve the, the Heather and myself, thank you.
desperate for you. Oh, oh, oh. There's one or two tables up front here that are still available. You can't get to the table. I'm lost without you. Oh, Lord, would you give us that revelation you gave to Thomas, that in believing, we will more than just be seeing, we will move into a blessedness, and we will see the kingdom manifesting and being demonstrated through our believing. We ask this morning, like those disciples on the road to Emmaus who had a fixed mindset about reality, but it wasn't reality. And you came and you transformed that when they took the cup and they took the bread. I pray this morning for those who are just feeling this huge block between them and what they want to believe. And I pray this morning supernaturally you will give us hearts that are teachable hearts that are humble hearts that are discerning and just let your revelation flow Lord the night that Jesus was betrayed he took the bread and he said my body broken for you took the cup it was the Passover and all the blood that had been spilt over the years of the old covenant was pointing towards this one event that would come and transform dead people back to their God intended relationship with the Father, Son and Holy Spirit this is the new covenant, Jesus says. It removes out of your life everything that could be a hindrance. Everything that could be an obstacle. This cup here, the cup of my blood, is for the forgiveness of sins. If you don't have the cup yet, just raise your hand. If you don't have the cup in your hand, there Maria doesn't have. Can someone get to Maria? Anybody else? Everyone else got the cup. Sorry, I should have asked first. Jesus took the cup and said, this is the blood of the new covenant. Check. Well, may God bless you. May God keep you. May God put his peace upon you. May his face shine on you. Until we meet again. God bless. Have an awesome day. Amen.